Welcome to this week's episode of the Read Well Podcast. My name is Eddie Hood, and I'm your host, where I believe it's more important to read well than to be well-read. So grab your favorite book, open up your notes, and let's get ready to learn something fascinating. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the very first ever episode of the Read Well podcast. My name is Eddie Hood, your host, and I will be here with you every uh, week to go over how we can get more out of the books that we read. Now, in the intro to this show, I want to point out that the tagline here is that I believe it's better to be uh, to read well than to be well read. And what does that mean? Well, this entire first episode is on this topic. I want to explore in detail why this is a critical statement and why uh, it will make a difference in how you approach your books and reading. But first, let's dig into why somebody would want to listen to the show. What's it all about? Who are we looking to connect with? What's the community we're looking to build? And let's see if this is the place that is a good home for you. Now, I am a book nerd. I, I love books, fiction and nonfiction alike. They have been my, my constant companion ever since I was about eight years old, and they have changed my life. However, I am the kind of person that when I read, I take uh, as many notes as I can, and I, I have systems for taking notes. Uh, I have reading kits. I have, uh, uh, if, so this is also being filmed on YouTube. You can watch this podcast on YouTube or you can listen wherever you consume your podcast. But if you're watching the YouTube version, here's my reading kit. It's a, it's a little gray bag that has uh, a whole bunch of uh, little pockets for highlighters. And there's a place for note cards and uh, reading tabs and all sorts of stuff. My, uh, my friends and family think that I'm just crazy because everywhere I go, doesn't matter where I always bring a book. It's kind of my motto in life is always bring a book. I'm in the in the in the grocery store <laughs> in line waiting to check out with a book in my hand and often I'm high, I got a highlighter sticking out of my mouth. I'm like crazy about this stuff. And the reason why is because I come from a family that I uh, I love my family. I could not have come from a better mother. She is the greatest person in the world. Uh, when it comes to education, I was the first person to go to college. And in my family, and it's because of books, it's because books opened up this world to me that I didn't know existed. I was just, I mean, going into a public library, you felt it, right? When you walk into a bookstore or a public library, it's like walking into opportunity or, or possibility. There are thousands, and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of different voices and uh, stories and things that you can learn to take your life from where it's at to the next level and then the next level. I mean, books just get me going. So number one, if you can relate to that, if, if whenever you pick up a book and you feel like that electric surge in your blood, then we are, we are the same people. And, and uh, we, we can, you know, we can, we can have a lunch together and talk for hours. That's, that's really how I think. Number two though, is if you're the kind of person that when you read a book, you want to get more out of it than just entertainment, then this podcast is for you. I really am going to be focusing more on nonfiction here than fiction, although I do have, I spend right now, I, I'm, I've always got two books going, one where I'm learning and one where I'm being entertained. But here, this podcast is about uh, learning something new. So whether your passion is in, uh, you know, the ideas of Plato, or uh, maybe you want to learn uh, how to cook a better Indian curry, whatever it is, any kind of nonfiction, anything that moves you, that's what we're doing here. And uh, I, I'm always in the middle of reading something, and I encourage you to to follow along with whatever your own book is. But 
in in the weekly podcasts, uh, we're going to have, uh, I expect each episode to be about 30 minutes. And we will be talking in depth about a specific topic. And today's topic is, what does that phrase mean uh, that it's more important to read well than to be well-read? Well, let's dig into that. So uh, I, I kind of get, I'm not going to use the word frustrated because I understand where it's coming from. And I think it's honorable that people want to read and it's, it's an important part of their lives to want to consume all these books. I feel the same thing. So no judgment. When I walk into a, that bookstore, I want to read all those books. And I actually have kind of like a, a list of books that I feel I absolutely need to read before I die, right? Like I just, in order for me to feel like life has been well-lived, I, I would need to read these books. And so I'm, I'm, I'm always digging into one of those on that list. So I get it. I get the need to want to, um, to experience these works, especially the masterpieces. Uh, however, there is a culture uh, that has sort of stemmed uh, online, uh, the hustle culture, right? We're all, we're all aware of it. If you go into YouTube or, or anywhere else, there are influencers, countless influencers that are talking about how to do things better, faster, more efficiently, and on and on and on and on. And it has bled into BookTube. BookTube, if you're unfamiliar, is the version of YouTube where you've got people like me who are talking about books all the time. And it's, it's a very popular thing for people to talk about how to read more uh, and how to read faster, how to consume more quicker, because that's kind of what sells. That's kind of the sexy thing, right? If I can teach you seven steps to reading a hundred books this year, or, uh, you know, how to, how to, um, I don't know, I, I'm terrible at these titles, but that's the concept, right? There is this world out there that wants you to believe that if you can read 200 books a year, you are worth something. You have learned something. And I fell for it, everybody. I mean, I fell hard for it because I love books so much. And I thought, man, maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe it is possible. Maybe this speed reading thing is real. So I signed up for all of the courses, everyone. I mean, I did. I paid the money. I put the time in. I studied. I, I got all the techniques down. And I, I became a really fast reader. Like, you know, like just burning through those pages. And um, I can't remember a dang thing I read. <laughs> that, so all of these courses or these people or whatever, again, I think that they're well-intentioned, right? They're, they're trying to help us be better readers uh, or to at least pick up a book, which is an honorable thing in today's society. Fewer people are reading and they're spending more time sort of, you know, thumb surfing on their phone and trying to um, keep up with the, the social media. So picking up a book at all is, is just, I, I applaud you for that in any form. I think that's fantastic because you're investing in yourself and you're trying to like focus your brain for a minute on something other than just a digital screen. Uh, but I really think that this, this hustle culture around reading is a little, um, it, it, it's not as effective as you think it is, right? Because if you can slow down and read one book well, pick any book up here, right? Any one of them. So the, let me grab one. So here's here's Hume. This is a book I have not read yet, but I'm very excited to. David Hume was a um, philosopher. And it's going to be a very tough read. <laughs> uh, very tough read. And uh, it's this is a big book, too. This is uh, going on 800 pages. Um so I haven't started reading it yet because it's an investment of time. Right now, uh, if you, uh, I have several other things that I'm reading, but 
when you pick up a book like this or something very simple, even like I'm reading at the moment, and, and I say simple, not because the message is um, simple. I'm, I'm reading the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass. This is an incredibly complex book, but it's, it's an easy read, right? The, you can follow along with it. It's not philosophy. It's the story of a slave who educated himself through reading, found his way to uh, freedom, and then essentially became almost an advisor, essentially, to President Abraham Lincoln. I mean, what a rise in, in stature in life right? To be able to do that. And that is the power of books and learning. But if you speed read something, uh, what I found is that, yeah, I could burn through those pages and I could see the words. And in the moment, those words would make sense. And they would, they would kind of register in my brain, but I was moving so fast that I never had time to chew on it or to consider what it really meant. I never had time in my reading uh, kit, I have a little uh, Webster's Dictionary here. Never time to open that up and look up words I didn't understand and think, you know, what does that word mean and why did the author use that word and so on. So I, I got into this trap where I felt like I had to read, you know, 100 books in order to be worth anything or to even have a shot at uh, being a well-read person. And then I learned something. I realized I don't want to be well read. <laughs> I don't want to say, yeah, I've read a thousand books and, you know, fantastic. I realized I would rather read one book well, one book well, and and rip it apart and, and learn from it and think about it and apply it so that my life improves. That's the whole point of a book. The point of a book is not to read it, it's to actually apply it and to, 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 to grow into something bigger than what you currently are. And that, that is why I love reading. And we're going to do a little exercise today just to show you what I mean. Uh, I recently finished up an essay by um, the incredible Ralph Waldo Emerson. This, this gentleman lived in the 1800s. He was uh, the leader of a movement called the Transcendentalists, which is this idea, right, that you can, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but it's this idea that, that you have within yourself the ability to be great, that you don't necessarily need to lean on other institutions, other belief systems, which can kind of limit your ability to think, right? Because they clamp down and tell you how to live and how to think. And sometimes that, that, that um, disables you from having your own genius, your own, your own thought patterns and, and, and doing something unique and powerful. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read a section for you. I'm just going to grab a section out of this, and we're going to go through and read this as though we were the traditional, and I'm not going to speed read, right, because I have lost that skill set, but I'm going to read at, say, a normal pace, okay? Uh, we're going to read at a normal pace and just see what you get out of it. This is one paragraph, and then we're going to slow down and read it the way that I teach here at the Readwell Community and you'll see a difference. So this is, I'm just going to read in, uh, you know, the way I used to. So he says here, the objection to conforming to usages that have become dead to you is that it scatters your force. It loses your time and blurs the impressions of your character. If you maintain a dead church, contribute to a dead Bible society, vote with a great party, either for the government or against it, spread your table like base housekeepers. Under all these screens, I have difficulty to detect the, uh, the precise man you are. And of course, so much force is withdrawn from your proper life. But do your work, and I shall know you. Do your work, and you shall reinforce yourself. All right. So we read through that. Makes sense. It's not super long. 
and it, I said it makes sense, but does it? Like, did you really get anything out of that? Sure, we read the words, we sounded them out, they registered in our brains, and some of them worked better than others. But did you really get the meaning that um, Mr. Emerson is trying to convey to you? Because let, let's just hit pause for a minute and consider that he, like many of the people on my bookshelf here, are some of the greatest thinkers that have ever lived. And they took the time to package their thoughts and their ideas up into a convenient little thing called a book, right? And if you take the time not to read it, but to treat it like an education and to become a student of it, things change for you. They change for you. So we're going to slow down. And here's how, here's how I, I teach reading. So you have a job when you read as an active reader. The moment you get an idea in your head from what you're reading, your job is to share that idea. Because as you share that idea, new ideas are born, right? It's a chain of thinking that goes, oh, and then this, oh, and then this, and this. And since reading is a, usually a, uh, um, a solo activity, the way that you share your ideas as they come to you is on three by five note cards or a journal or, <clears throat> excuse me, or if you're, uh, I have a tool that I'm building online called Highlightish. I'll tell you about that later. Um, that's a way for you to make book notes as well. Whatever you do, the point is to share that idea with your future self. You hear that? There's a future you coming down the road that will thank you for today's reading, that will thank you for paying attention and asking critical questions that makes your life better. So we're going to reread this passage and see what happens. Okay. He says, the objection to conforming. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's just think about this for a minute. Well, what does it mean to object to something? It means to, to say that you're not willing to do it. Like, like I object. I don't want to do this. Right. Um, and he's saying he's, he's using that in, in relation to conforming. All right. So I, I might write a note here that says, um, you know, what does it mean to conform? What are, what, what do I conform to? Are there areas of my life where, I'm conforming and I don't realize it. And I've been sort of pushed into a passage of thinking that I may or may not necessarily agree with. Most people don't know what they want in life. Most people don't know what their goals are or where they're headed. They simply wake up, check their email and go to bed, right? They do what uh, their work tells them. They think how their family tells them to think. They, they follow the belief systems from their church. They do all of these things. I have no issue with belief structures, but like Mr. Emerson here, the issue is in you not realizing <laughs> that you're a part of all of that and that you are um, conforming without thinking about it. You need to really be aware of what you think and what your thoughts are and your opinions are. So he says the objection to conforming to usages that have become dead to you. Okay, so here it is. This is the critical part. Did you catch it when we read fast? I, I didn't the first time I read it. I had to read it the right way. I had to read well. Okay. So if you object to um, conforming to usages that have become dead to you, in other words, all of these parties, systems, things that you're a part of, some of them have become dead to you. They're not serving you. You don't really believe those things. You're not, that's not who you are, yet you're still there. You're still doing those things. You're still believing those things. That's become dead to you, right? And yet you're objecting um, to, to, um, to, to, to like breaking away from it, right? Like you want to kind of stick with it. And he says, if you do that, this scatters your force. 
That is a powerful phrase, everybody. Like, what is your force? We are all capable of doing something great, something great in our lives. But we cannot achieve our greatness if we let other people, other institutions, other belief systems scatter our force. And it is upon us to realize that we we probably shouldn't be conforming to certain things, right? We should stop object, objecting to uh, to um, saying, you know, I I can't I can't break away from this group. Like they've given me so much, you know. I can't I can't try something new. This has made me who I am. Well, in all honesty, you uh, there might be a better version of you down down the line, and just be open to the idea of that, right? Because you have force, you have power. And if you can focus that power, then this is what Mr. Emerson is talking about. Okay. He says, it loses your time. Do you guys feel that? Like I'm recording this in the middle of, well, it's the beginning of June right now, June 2023 at the moment. And I swear we just had New Year's Eve. Like it has been almost half of a year, just like that. Like snap my fingers and time is just moving. And it's because uh, like he's speaking about here, these things are causing us to lose time we only have so much time. it's the time is the one currency we have that we cannot get back we cannot afford to lose it or to let it scatter oh when i love this he says if you keep doing these things not only does it scatter your force and cause you to lose time but it blurs the impression of your character did you catch that when we were quote unquote speed reading or just reading at a normal rate without thinking see when you read without thinking you miss stuff but here he's saying, look, if you keep hanging out with these people, these societies, you, you might be blurring the impression of your character. He's speaking to the idea that sometimes you don't really know who you are. You don't know why you do what you do or what you're about. And it's because you haven't taken time to think through those things. And the reason why you haven't taken time to think through those things is you're so busy pleasing all of these groups and trying to live to their standards and their way of life. Do you guys see how this works? Like when you read a book like this, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I see how this applies in the way I approach my family, my church, my, my job, uh, whatever, whatever it is, right? And again, uh, I, think, I think all of those institutions are great and they provide structure, but we should choose how we interact with those structures, not just let them... Uh, control us. All right. Uh, I'm going to just for, for sake of time here, I'm going to skip a little further down the thing because I could probably spend two hours on this one paragraph, just thinking about it and taking notes. So this is why I read well, people read well, don't read fast, but because we're trying to keep the show within 30 minutes, I'm going to skip down here. He says, I have difficulty uh, to detect the precise man or slash woman that you are. Right. Because you are you are um, so busy again, trying to keep all these people and places happy. I don't know who you are. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you're about? OK. And he says, of course, so much force is withdrawn from your proper life. Did you guys catch that the first time around? He used the word proper life. So he's hinting to the idea that. Look, there are several lives you could be living. You could be living multiple fake lives, or you could be living your true authentic life. And unfortunately, most of us don't even know what that is because we haven't had, we haven't, we haven't hit the brakes and said, 
you know, what do I believe in? Why am I here? What am I doing? And take time to journal and think through it and write stuff down. He's asking you to do that. I love this line. He says, but do your work, not their work, not everybody else's work, but your work, whatever that is, once you figure it out, you do your work and I shall know you. Do your work and you shall reinforce yourself. All right. So that's powerful stuff. Because when we when we sort of step away into uh, you know the the unknown of trying to figure out what we believe in and why we're here and what we're doing, that's a terrifying thing, right? It's so much easier and safer to just like be told what to do and um, have our force scattered, like uh, Emerson says, right? That's easy. Yeah, wake up, go to work. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to think. Tell me how to dress. Tell me who to be. Uh, on and on and on, like, can you, you can hear the force in my voice scattering, <laughs> but that's a real thing. You know, I always think of like a hamster on a hamster wheel who, God, you know, wakes up, uh, they're nocturnal. So they wake up in the middle of the night, they wander over to their little hamster wheel and they just start running and they are running, 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 running and getting nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And I think that is such an apt metaphor for, for just daily living, you know, without asking questions. This is why I love to read books is because the the book exposes you to the idea that, hey, did you know that, that that hamster wheel is actually a circle and it's not going anywhere? And that, in fact, there are other worlds outside of this little glass cage you're stuck in? Did you know that? Like, check this out. I've been there. I've seen these things, and this is how it works. And you're, you're in your glass cage reading your book going, holy smokes. Like, I had no idea. You know, I had no idea that this was out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So consider that when you when you're reading and and it will help you it will help you move move forward. And I'm, I'm, I want to give you the call to action to stop putting so much pressure on yourself to read fast. It is OK. It is OK if you only get 15 minutes of reading in a day. That is fun. In fact, that is great. If you can do that and create that habit for yourself, 15 minutes a day of actually reading like we just did, think about how far you will be as a human being in the next year. Now, th this is not me saying I've got it all figured out. I absolutely do not. Uh, but what I do have figured out is the value of a book. And, and, and I have my excitement level figured out of like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff I get to learn. I get to learn. Not I have to remember that feeling when you were in junior high and high school and college where you're like, oh, I got to do this. This is so I got to go to this class. That's gone. Right. Because now when you walk into a public library or bookstore, you get to pick the thing that moves you. You get to, to, to dive deep into something that is fascinating. You know, for example, like I don't I, I'm not interested in, in um, like french fashion or dressmaking it's not my thing i don't think about it but for some of you that might be your thing and you can dive deep into that and you can learn everything there is to learn and become the best dressmaker slash whatever in the world and that is on you to make that happen that happens the moment you open the cover of a book and say how does this work what's going on here now let, let's speak for just a second to the fact that there are multiple methods of learning out there because books have morphed into well, other forms of learning. So you can, you can learn, you can learn about Emerson's uh, essay or uh, Mr. Douglas's narrative. You could read all those things by watching a YouTube video that summarizes it for you. Right? You could go to Cliff Notes. You could listen to the Audible version. I love Audible. Get it? Right? Audiobooks are awesome. Uh, you could, there, you could go to Chat GPT and say, you know, summarize the 
the uh, the essay by uh, Emerson for me. Tell me the 10 most important things I need to know about this. And now you're back into like efficiency land. And I, I get that and I value that. And I do those things at times, right? I have no issue with them. My argument here is not that those things are bad. My argument is that there is nothing better than grabbing the actual book itself and opening it up, having a pen in your hand and something to write on and reading well, right? When we are watching a YouTube video or listening to the audiobook, what are we doing while that's happening? We are rarely sitting down taking notes and thinking. We're usually doing the dishes or making dinner or driving the car or you know, trying to get kids to piano lessons or whatever it is, and we're trying to learn at the same time. It is not possible to do two things at the same time well. We're not going to get into like, you know, um, uh, multitasking. That would actually be a great podcast. So I'm going to add that to the list about how multitasking actually kind of doesn't work well with reading. But yes, you can listen passively to something, but you really cannot do what we just did with Emerson's essay if you're also doing the dishes and you're also, um, you know, arguing with your kids. I have four kids, so I know what life is like. It takes um, it takes some focus and a commitment to reading to actually read well, to read something properly. And let's just consider for a moment, let's say Emerson walked into the room or Plato or I always get point Aristotle. He's back here behind me on my uh, my that's Homer, actually. Aristotle's over here. <laughs> anyway, if any one of these people walks into your house, just imagine this. Imagine they walked into your house. And they sat down and they started speaking to you. Would you be doing the dishes? Would you be, would you be, you know, going, hold on. Would you put Aristotle in the driver's or in the passenger seat of your car while you're going to piano lessons and be like, okay, keep talking, Mr. Aristotle. I, I just need to get my kid to piano. But what you, what you're saying is quite interesting, you know, and you're yelling at people as you're driving and whatever else. Like, no, you would not do that. That is not how you would be. You would most likely go, holy smokes, uh, there's somebody incredibly important in my living room. I'm going to like hit pause on my day and I'm going to rearrange my calendar and I'm going to turn off my phone and I'm going to grab a notepad because I only got 15 minutes with Aristotle. I won't be paying attention. <laughs> that is what you would do. Uh, I hope that is what you, that is what I would do. Uh, I would feel the immense weight of their genius in my presence. And I would want to make the most of that. Uh, you know, it, that that's the powerful thing of a book. You you've you've somebody who is far more advanced than me has thought deeply about a specific topic, is an expert in their field, has worked and researched and edited and compressed and made powerful and impactful a specific message and put that into 200 to you know 300, 400, 500 pages or whatever it is, and put that there for you to digest. And you now have the ability to take what, 30 years of their life and read through it in the course of a couple months and like absorb that. Right. So Emerson wrote this essay. I don't know how long it, take, it took him to write it, but what I do know is that he lived uh, a specific life that allowed him to become who he was and think the way he, the, the way he did. And he compressed that into a very short essay that's less than 30 pages that when you read is life-changing, by the way, if you read it well, life-changing. And, uh, it, you know, if he were to come into my, my house and, and share that information with me, I would just, I would, I would take that very seriously. And reading is no different. Whenever you pick up a book by an author, they are literally entering into your life, into your living room, and they are giving you their knowledge for $9 and 99 cents or what, whatever you buy. I mean, I bought, 
okay, this book uh, from Emerson, this was 20 bucks, right? But th this whole man's life is, is put down for $20 and I get to consume it. The narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an incredibly powerful read in terms of like uh, freedom and what it means to be grateful for what we have. Um, this, this book here cost me, yeah, $9.99. You guys, oh my gosh. Like, think about what that means. The message there is, is that you, 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 can, you can move your life massively forward by learning from the best of the best when you open a book. Now, I hope that helps today. I'm going to give you a challenge, right? Because uh, I want at the end of each podcast episode to make sure you walk away with something specific, something that will help you become a better reader and will help you... Um, really dig in and figure out how to take your life in whatever version it is and wherever you want to go again to the next level. So I, I, uh, I, on my YouTube channel, if you go to the read well podcast on YouTube, I have two things going on there. One, I will be posting all of these episodes there for you to watch every week, but also every morning, uh, right now I'm doing it every morning at 7am. I am, I'm sharing a message every day, 7am mountain standard time, where you can uh, uh, start off your day with something uh, hopefully powerful and useful to you. But then I'm reading for 15 minutes and I'm encouraging you to read with me. So I would encourage you just as a 10 day challenge, try this for 10 days to show up and be there with me on, on YouTube. It's a live stream. I'm there live and uh, open up your favorite book and read along and take notes and learn to read well. Give yourself some grace and read slowly. Every time you feel yourself wanting to be productive and fast and hustle, take a breath, slow down and read well and see what happens. Thank you for listening. Uh, it means a lot that you're here. If you found this helpful in any way, if this served you, please uh, go into wherever you are listening to your podcast and uh, take a moment to, to uh, give me a review of some kind uh, that, that, as you all know, is like the number one thing for podcasts. It's really hard to get reviews. So if I can get you there, that allows me to keep doing this so that we can keep talking about how to be great readers. Thank you so much, everybody, for all that you do. I look forward to serving you every week. My name's Eddie Hood, and we'll see you next time. If you'd like to take your reading to the next level, then head on over to our website at thereadwellpodcast.com. There you can get access to my weekly newsletter as well as up-to-date show information. Also, don't forget that I learned software development on the side just so that I could build a program to help us make better book notes as we read. If you're interested, go to highlightish.com. Think of highlighting a book, but add ish, I-S-H, at the end. Highlightish.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next show.